And on the flip side of that, I'm not looking to go with Salah. Hello and welcome back to George's FPL. My name is Dan. I'm one half of George's FPL and I'm joined again by Stephen, the other half of George's FPL. Stephen, how are you, my pal? Other than sweating me tits off, I'm not too bad, Dan. How are you doing? I'm good, mate, but you're right. It is very, very fucking warm at the minute and I hope it is warm wherever you are around the world listening to this podcast. Episode three of this season already, Stephen. Is it becoming more exciting or is it this gap in between the game being released and the game starting, that just it seems a little bit, you don't know what to do with yourself, really. Yeah, I think it's a lot of that. I wish the World Cup was here right now, to be honest. A year ago oh, today, we got real. beat off Italy, didn't we? I have seen a few clips on my Facebook and my Twitter, but we don't want to talk about that. But you're right about, because, I mean, it dropped last year, the 22nd of June. So if you're seeing the finals now, then we're talking probably group stages. So it was a bit of a mad time because everyone was trying to navigate the Euros game last year about the time of release. And now this year, it just feels like we've got absolutely nothing to do. And actually, I'm quite glad they didn't drop the game on the 22nd of June this year. Yeah. That's even more podcasts we need to try and fucking fill in. That's it. We had a nice little break from it, but we're about four weeks out now. And we've still got plenty to talk about, haven't we? Of course we do. Of course we do. Um, this week, we're going to talk about sort of different topic, pre-season topic every week. And this week, we're going to talk about the template. Yes. Um, it's an interesting point because some people work the template. Some FPL managers will work the template in many different ways at the start of the season. Some will probably just disregard it at totally. But I suppose we can give a little bit of insight in what the template is and what it might mean going forward. Does that sound canny? It sounds canny, yeah. I think we've disregarded it in previous years quite a bit, haven't we? Um, but I'll let you start by defining what the template is because I'm sure you'll be able to put in better words than me. I'll try, mate. Anyway, so yes, we're aware that we've got quite a few listeners at the moment who maybe is new to the FPL community or just aren't don't really know some of the FPL lingo that you've probably seen bounded around your timeline. Um, template is probably something that you're going to come across quite a lot, especially in the next few weeks. Um, basically, when we say template, what we're referring to is effectively the team that looks like it's going to be the main 11 for most players. So those players who have got huge ownership in, are in majority of teams, which is the case with a couple of players that we'll get into, who is making up the template 11 or the template 15 going forward. Now, at the start of the season, the only thing that you really have to go off is the FPL website. Um, that's obviously up to date to then, but as the game goes on in game week one, game week two, game week three, a good asset to use to judge the template and judge ownership of not just the, t- the player as a whole, but the player's ownership around you is live FPL. .net, so I'd recommend everyone having a little look on there just to familiarise yourself with the website. Um, they provide the best insight into it. It includes captaincy, effective ownership, shows it for the top 10k, top 100k overall, whatever your rank is as well. But I suppose today the only information we've got is from the FPL website and that's the only information that's out there at the moment. So it's probably better off just talking about those players who are highly owned of the FPL website, mate. Yeah, I think that's a fair summary of this. Um, how much attention should we give to the highly owned players, do you think? It's a funny one, isn't it? Because although you want to you want to give 
obviously loads of it. There's a reason these players are the highly owned, yeah. whether it's the price is low for the value or whether it's just the player in general. Like, I mean, if Salah came in at 40 and a half, there's probably a good chance that he would still be classed as a template player at the moment. So you have to take into, into account that there's a reason these players are the template. So you have to give attention, but you would give attention to those players as you would anyways. Does ownership numbers make a massive difference to you I think a lot of people will just be wanting to win in the mini league so they're more bothered about their ownership in in and around their leagues mm. but obviously you don't know that at the start of the season if you don't share your draft so if you're looking at a huge overall rank and your you target is disregarding the mini leagues and you want to get the top 100k it's yeah you've got to give a quite a lot of attention to it well I do or have haven't done it in the past perhaps but maybe I will be this season yeah it's all about getting that right balance isn't it between having the highly owned players, but then also having some differential picks that'll help you get through the um, move through the rankings. But um, we know with the highly owned players, they are the ones that can cause the most damage to your rank if you don't own them. But then what we also know is the differential players are the ones that can do the more good things to your rank yeah. because others don't know them. So it's got to be a good balance. I'll be looking for a better balance this year. Now, I'm not just going to say I'm going to pick six players from the template and go for five differentials because it doesn't work like That's that. It. For example, Haaland's on 60-odd percent ownership and I'm not looking to start with them game week one at, the, at this present moment in time. Very interesting. So it's like that could totally fuck me straight away. <laughs> but it might not and on the flip side of that I'm not looking to go with Salah so there's two different sides of it isn't there it is mate but I would say that our decisions aren't based mainly well those certainly aren't based on mainly them being a template player obviously you would just have both of them in if you wanted to keep pace with everything that was going on that's true but we'll sort of move on from that and say how much does the template affect you at the start of the season well, what we've said pretty much is it shouldn't, but it does. Yeah, I think the only things you go off at the start of the season is the price points and then the ownership, really. There's not really anything else to consider at this point. And a lot of people, like you say, will just look at the highly owned players and get them in because they just want to keep pace with everyone else to begin with until they start making transfers and um, have got a bit more of, uh, stats in the background to look at and the eye test as well. Oh, definitely. And we'll move on swiftly now because we've sort of part mentioned it a little bit to the benefits and the drawbacks of starting with a template or keeping to a template. And the conversation will always be, well, when do you come off the template or come away from certain players that are highly owned? And obviously at the start of the season, you don't have that information. It needs to be form based while you come across a player. Obviously, barring injuries and things like that, it's obvious. But um, with nothing to go for at the start of the season, it's just got to be fixtures, price and ownership. That's all you can go from. Definitely. And the first benefit, I would say, of the template is what I've just mentioned before, that it'll give you a safe, solid start of the season. Um, I remember previously, like I said to you before, I've never really looked at the, the template as much, not been too bothered about it. And it has come back to bite us in the backside. I remember not owning Calvert-Lewin a couple of seasons ago. At the very start, he popped off and Antonio last season as well. There too, I can think straight off the belt where they were in pretty much everyone's team, but I didn't go with them and it done a bit damage. But then the flip side of that is, Stephen, is those two players didn't gain the traction until maybe game week two, game week three. So that just goes to show that at the start of the season, 
those differential picks are potentially the ones that are going to come good. And you get it every season. Stevens just gave two good examples there. If you can pick the right one from the get-go, then you're laughing, but it's it's feeding into those exact players. But you make the point of you make a strong start the season, and you might not make a solid start the season, but you keep them with the pack. You mm. won't fall away from the pack if you've got six or seven of those players who are owned by everyone. And if your differentials do okay, but not brilliantly, you're still in there. Whereas those men who might go for three of the differentials and just go elsewhere might go for a Sterling, which is like a perfectly fine pick. Someone might even... Someone might even go a Ronnie. Someone might fancy a Nunes or a Jota. We're not even talking about those players at the moment. And those are the players that if you do, if you get them at the start of the season, they start getting the price increases. That's when you can really capitalise on everything else. But it's, well, it's balancing up that risk at the start of the season. And I mean, we'll move on to it. There's less risk attached with going for the big boys from the beginning, but there's more risk. I'm more scared of not going with the big boys than I am of going without them. What could happen? Yeah. Yeah, I do think obviously there's less risk attached uh, going with the template, but this season there's going to be unlimited transfers during the World Cup. So a lot of players will be using their wild card very early in the season compared to previous years, you would say. Yeah, yeah, and I think we're going to dedicate a pod to this in general in a couple of weeks' time. But there's definitely scope for people to come away from the template and knowing that even if they pulled the wild card game week four, game week five, they've still only got to put up with that for another ten game weeks because of the forced wild card over the World Cup. So, is so is there potentially less risk attached to going without the template even more this season? Definitely, because you can play an early wildcard, can't you, to to get back to where you need to be if you do fall away quite a bit. Yeah, and like and we'll talk about it again in a few weeks, but I think there'll definitely scope for people actually planning an early wildcard. Yeah, no, definitely. Let's move on to the drawbacks of the template. Um, the most obvious one's got to be that you can be seen as a boring player and it takes no initiative to make a team if you go for all the ones that are highly owned. Oh, well, definitely. And everyone in the group chat will be saying, well, you've just got them in and the boring and whatever. But it depends what you're looking for. Are you looking for the for everyone to say that you're a brilliant FPL manager and you're so funny and you're great in your group chats? Or are you looking for a high rank this season? I know which one I'm going for. Yeah. However, you have got to be seen as, you don't want any mini leagues, which I imagine is the most important thing to quite a lot of the listeners. You don't want to be looking at your team and then looking at the player who's next to you in the table and saying that you actually need your differential players or you only need two or three players to make a difference in the game for you to actually gain any points on them or gain any traction, which is a difficult one to sort of stomach when you're doing it. But you know in the long run and over the course of the season, you will be making different transfers. But it is, I understand what you're saying though. It it can be seen as boring. It can be seen as easy. It can be seen as you're not really managing your team because you're just going with the crowd. So it doesn't really matter. But as we talk about the benefits, the, the upsides, the upsides, Low, you could potentially say the upside of going with the benefits, the template's low because everyone's doing it, but the downside's quite high. Do you lose enjoyment if you've got seven of the same players as the next person next year in the league, the mini league? 100% mate, because I mean, two premiums is the way it's going this season. So you've only got a one and two chance of going with a different captain most of the time. It's yeah. obvious who it's going to be. So if you're looking at you potentially gain points on your on your rivals through your captaincy point. Well, if they went for a similar template to you, they've probably got the same captain as well. You know, a lot of FPL managers, like everyone will find out during this podcast as well, 
we've made this podcast because we've got some very similar thinking in FPL. So, I mean, we've been called many a times before. Of, you just copied that transfer. You've just copied this, that, and the other. Indeed. But we... But this is before we made a podcast where we, we did sort of indicate what we might be doing. And there's no surprise that like the last few seasons, Stephen, it has been me and you going at it at the top. Obviously, we're more engaged than other people in the mini league. But yeah. just just how it is. And it's, it is it is difficult to come away from it because, you know, you feel like you want to make that move away from the template to gain the traction. Yeah. But it's just the downside so high, it's having the bottle to do it. And that's the drawbacks of going against it, I suppose. And we've mentioned before that it is impossible to fall away from the pack. That is a positive. However, to caveat that, it is impossibly but to be one of the top ranks as well if you go with the template because essentially everyone's going to be in the same boat as yourself. So you can't gain the rank as much. Um, is that a fair point to make? It's definitely fair. And grounds, I mean, whatever way you look at it, grounds made up from your differentials, isn't Yeah. And as the season goes on, it's made up from your differentials. And, your and it's made up by your captaincy. And it's how early you make those transfers. Now, sometimes if you make a rash transfer, you think, oh, that's happened, I'm going to do this. It can come off shit. You've came off someone from the template. You can't get back to them now because the price increases. You've fucked yourself. But there's the flip side of that. If you go for Calvert-Lewin earlier in the two seasons ago, or you go for Antonio, switch straight away. I hung, I hung on for, to Wilson for far too long last season. Same, yeah. Um, and that, that's what fucked me. If I had went from Antonio at the start, I would have been miles clear. Yeah. But you've just got it. You, it's going to be. It's hard to make the traction straight away. But just trust the process. Just know the first five, six weeks, lots of people are going to be playing an early wild card. So actually, this season, it's potential that you could become higher ranked quicker because there's going to be people changing their teams completely very, very early on. So just trust the process from the start and just see where you end up on because your decisions are not made from your team that starts the season. Yeah, I think that's very good advice. Um, you just touched on upon it there. Player prices. So if you go with the most owned players, they will be susceptible to change quite quick if they do drop in ownership. So that's a really another drawback of the template that it could be difficult to move off players, especially if you don't leave yourself no 0.5 million, which I know we tend to do at the very start of the season. Yes, definitely. And I mean, a perfect example of that would be for Haaland. I mean, at the time of recording, he's pretty much 65% owned. He's 11.5 million. If he drops a point one, he might as well drop a point five because mm. you're not going to be able to get back up to Kane. You've then got to come down by at least point five. And I know the next person in in anywhere near the price bracket is Ronaldo and you'll not be looking to go there. Mm. So if, if Haaland has a stink out or gets an injury and you don't make that transfer straight away to Kane, you've got to come down. That's the that's the problem starting off. And another thing with this is because the prices, the ownership are so high of some players. I mean, we'll touch on the players later. But for example, Trent, he's fifty seven percent owned at the moment. Can he actually have much of a price increase? He ended the season on eight point one last year, but he certainly didn't start the season at fifty six point one percent. It's going to be difficult to go up price, isn't it, for those type of players? Well, that's it. And we don't know the algorithm exactly. I think LiveFPL.net or it's FPLstatistics.co.uk have a ongoing way to find out who's due a price rise and who's due a price fall. But I'm not sure exactly how the algorithm works. But if you're so highly owned, it's hard for you to get a price rise, but it'll be very easy for you to get a price drop. I mean, we'll talk about this probably when we're talking about our draft, Stephen, but it's just an interesting one when you're picking template players just to be wary or beware that you need to make those quick transfers should anything bad happen to your team. Yeah, definitely. And 
I don't know if you noticed, but earlier on, um, at the end of last week, the Fantasy Premier League released a tweet saying selected FPL prize freezes. Do you know what that could be referring to? I've got no idea, but I'm hoping you're going to tell us. I don't have a clue either. <laughs> I've got no idea. Oh, but that's the, interesting. It was a list of players, and this is the list that they named. It was Kevin De Bruyne, Trent, Wilson, Coutinho, Trossard, St. Maximin, Ward Prowse, and Sanchez. Um, is that not just players that have kept the same price from last year? Potentially, you might be right, actually. I think it could be that, so maybe it's not as scary as it's as soon, soon thought. Yeah, I was thinking that they might just keep the prices like that all season, but I think you want the winner there, like. <laughs> yeah, maybe I've just sussed that one. Maybe we'll move on from that one. Um, so the current template is wild. Now, there's 11 players that we've pigeoned out as being a potential 11. Now, you couldn't afford that team. Um, there's a few premiums in there. You've got Son, Haaland and Salah at the moment, but... The seven players that have got ridiculous ownership, over 40% ownership. And if I remember last year, Luke Shaw had just over 40 or maybe even 50. And it was like, wow, this player is the most highly owned in the game. Now there's seven who have got over 40. Um, we'll just name them quickly in Haaland, Salah, Trent, Jesus, Cancelo, Perisic and James. Any surprises in that seven, all things considered, price points, etc.? I think the surprise is the amount of people that own them, like the percentage, um, a lot of them over 40%. Obviously, um, Haaland's at 64.6% at the time of recording, which is probably the highest we've ever seen before the season starts. Um, is that all just hype, though, around him? It is just the hype with him, yeah. But they have got good fixtures as well, we need to remember. I think the surprising one for me out of all of them would be Perisic, um, with him obviously just joining the league. Um, they've got three left wing backs at this point in time as well, although Region's meant to be moving on. But 45.8% ownership for him, you've got to say that's really high for someone who's joined the league at 33 years old and going to be in his first ever season in the Premier League. Definitely. And what I might caveat that a little bit is it did look like when a lot of players first joined the game and they were posting that they had got that team ID on Twitter. Perisic was in a lot of auto-pick teams. He was certainly in mine, although he is in my plans. But at 45% owned, you've got to say that actually people have been having to play around with it as well. He is a surprise, but should he be a surprise? I see in a very interesting thread from FPL underscore Swede on Twitter the other day. And if you've got time or you're debating Perisic, that's definitely worth a look. Um, the potential is huge. His attack re- returns look game time. Yeah, his attack and returns look silly. Yeah, it does look ridiculous. Uh, Tottenham have got some nice fixtures to start off with as well. But he does surprise you because of his because of he's a newcomer. Obviously, Haaland's a newcomer, but he's a different beast. But he is surprising. He is in my draft at the moment. I presume he's in yours as well. But he's definitely not as nailed as the other players would be if I owned all of them. Yeah, in that thread that you mentioned. Um, Conte actually dropped him quite a bit during his season with him at Inter, whereas last season he played, he started pretty much every game. So that's something to consider. Because um, I did see and mentioned he was a few times sub before the 60 minute mark, which obviously would be massive in an FPL sense. And with the five substitutions this year, Stephen, he's definitely someone that it will happen to, I'd imagine. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Yeah, it's just his upside that's keeping him in my team at the moment and Spurs fixtures. I do think he's going to be really dangerous this season. Yeah, I agree. And that's why he's in my draft at the moment. Any other surprises? I mean, we've mentioned those. 
Um, I don't think so. I mean, James is obviously he's a bonus point magnet, uh, just as he is. He's obviously got the attacking returns. Chelsea's fixtures are a bit meh, but it's Reese James at the end of the day. If you're going to get a solid, although you could say it's a bit of a surprise because Chelsea's defense seems a little bit all over the place at the moment. Mm, um, transfer rumors. Uh, it, it's the it's the six million price tag I think for him, but in terms of the other players, I think it's 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 pretty obvious. Obviously, Jesus came in at eight million last time we recorded. Stephen, the game hadn't dropped, um, but eight million was ridiculous. I think we both predicted about nine or nine point five. So he's probably in for the price point and the fact that he's going to be a starting striker for Arsenal, who has nice fixtures. But other than that, it's all it's all pretty much expected. No, definitely. The last four of the template 11 that we found are Diaz at 32%, Greenwood at 27.8%, Son at 25.9%, and then Mendy at 24.9%. Any surprises with them last four? I think it, you don't often see a goalkeeper be so blatantly picked, really. The keepers have came in very low this year. Edison, obviously, five and a half as well. Um, obviously, Mendy's a step below him, Alisson and Loris in terms of price point. Looking at the actual points per game, Mendy wasn't really brilliant. I think it was some stat that Vicente Gaida actually had a better points per game mm. than Mendy. But it's I think everyone thinks of Mendy as being a beast. Chelsea could get good again defensively. Five million seems a good price, so I kind of go against it. Yeah. And we we'll talk about Greenwood's four and a half there's always going to be a four and a half fall that sneaks in there. I presume, and we'll talk about it in a second, that there'll be a few more that sneak into that template as well. So there's always a chippy in there. But other than that, no, I'm not surprised at all. I did think Mendy would be more highly owned than that. I was expecting him to be one of the top ones, like literally like 50%. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm not being surprised. And come when the game starts, that might be the case, especially if Chelsea make signings. But we'll just have to wait and see, mate. Yeah, I think what will affect him is Rhea... Um, at Brentford, they're signing a new keeper on a free, so that could affect his minutes. And people might move to Mendy, and then a four point over them instead of two point two four point fives. But what I would say if they're signing a keeper on a free, looks like he's just going to come in as second choice. No, he looks a decent keeper to be fair. I don't, kind of oh. cannot recite his name to be honest, but he looks Stroshka or something. That, isn't that's it? the one I. So, out of those 11, Stephen, at the minute, if you can remember what your draft is at the moment, because mine's a little bit blurry because I've changed it a couple of times and then I've left it for about a fortnight now. Is there many of those players, those 11 in your team? I believe I've got six of those 11. So, quite the balance. I don't think that's bad going. I don't think that's bad going. No, I think about six or seven would be right. But as you say, you can't really put a number on how many you should have because a lot of things can change. But, yeah, I think I've got about six at the moment. And as I said, Salah is not one of them. Interesting. Well, I see, I've got, I think I've got six as well, and Haaland's not one of them. So it's, this is this is where the, the points can be made. I think Haaland's introduction into the game, although it doesn't look like it's a break in the template, I think the obvious choice for people would have been to get Salah and Son at the start of the season this year. So I think Haaland has helped that, and Son is definitely an option. Of course, he's still 25% owned, so he's still template E, but just not fully template. So bringing Haaland in, I think, has definitely broken up a little bit, especially with Mane going out the door because he was never, ever anywhere near even Son's ownership at the moment. No, definitely. But he has a question for you. A lot of those that we've mentioned are above 40% ownership, which is unheard of at this point. Why do you think this is? I think there's some obvious reasons why Haaland is purely hype. Um, I don't think that's got anything to do with price. 
However, the other ones may be priced. Trent at 56. Now, these are players that I would still expect to see there. Mm. Um, but at seven and a half, it just... It's his price point, it isn't it? Yeah, it just encourages people to get him even more. Lewis has the same. If Obviously, you'd never have seen Manny at that sort of ownership, 32 at the minute. Um, but... If if it was Manny and not Diaz and Manny was priced at 10, he would be nowhere near that once again. So his will be uh, price dependent. Jesus is an interesting one though, Stephen, do you think? Yeah, definitely. I think his has just shot up in the last few days because he scored twice in a pre-season friendly. Against who? Boston FC or something? Something like that. That's what I mean. I don't think... I think preseason has got bearing on FPL if there's injuries, um, if you're looking to see if a team changes tact as in terms of formation. Uh, teams like Man United might become interesting. If you see Van der Beek, he may then become the Pedro Neto, who we haven't mentioned yet, but his ownership is quite high. It's, all, it's those little players that are going to be affect FPL manager's thoughts when pre-season comes, the big boys that we've got in there at the moment are the highly owned, I think, are pretty much set and forget for people regardless of pre-season, barring injury. Yeah, definitely. And it's interesting how four of the ones over 40% are all defenders, which tells us that a lot of people are going big at the back this year, straight off the belt. I think big at the back's been quite popular for a good number of seasons now. Probably just like four or five, to be honest with you. I can't really remember the game too far back, but when you know you had Players like John Terry, who came in at six million, and now you're getting players like Rhys James come in at six million. It doesn't give you much of a decision to make, but big at the back's been popular for a few years now. And I, if you actually work out the points per million and things like that, it it's makes no it, sense not to go there. Yeah. Oh God, yeah. Definitely. So Stephen, the wild, the template, not the wild card. The template looks <laughs> pretty set at the moment. There's still plenty of weeks to go. But we probably expect to see a 4.0 defender or a 4.5 million midfielder break into that. Is there any standout names? Because there will be people looking for that little cheapy to get in there at the moment. Who's looking good? There's a couple of names we've got here which have been talked about a lot in the community. But is there anybody else other than these two names? Not that I've seen. These are the only two I've been looking at anyways. And that's Williams, who moved from Liverpool to Nottingham Forest today for about 17 million. He's a four million defender, um, guaranteed to play, I would say. So he's an interesting one. And then also Pereira, who's just joined Fulham for ten million, and he's a four point five million midfielder, which you would also expect to play because Fulham on inundated with talent. I wouldn't say in their team, so I can see them both getting the minutes and increasing in ownership because of it. Yeah, definitely. And uh, with ownership comes. Price rises, so if you're looking for getting price rises on players, they can probably be quite set in there. Uh, Williams is obviously an interesting one. He's joining Forest, a newly promoted team, although we expect them to do okay this season, so four million defender is pretty good. You don't have to play him. You don't have to play him ever. If you're desperate, you know you're going to get a player. Pereira's a funny one as well because it looks like he's trying to fill that Carvalho-shaped hole in there, so mm. he actually he's a 4.5 million midfielder who could be playing quite high up the pitch as well. Yes. Uh, another player I've seen mentioned a few times uh, in terms of 4.0 defender is Patterson from Everton. Now, Everton aren't looking good defensively, and part of that will probably be because of the age and Seamus Coleman at right back. Yes. You might not want to start with Patterson because you have to wait and see what minutes he's going to get because amazingly they signed him in January and didn't play a game, even though he cost him like 16 million and Everton's finances are absolutely shot. But anyways, um, he might be an interesting one coming in. Just to keep an eye on. 
just to keep an eye on um, obviously you're not going to want to move your 4.0 defenders round for your transfers especially when you're talking about wild cards early on as well um but just maybe if you want to go a little bit different or something like that he could fit in there um, and probably the only other option I've seen at 4.5 as well is Lavia. I don't know if you've seen anything about him, Stephen. Don't even know who he is. So I'll tell you, he's <laughs> just joined Southampton on loan from Man City. Um, I believe he's an attacking midfielder. I might be proven wrong, but I believe he is because he's not, he's not the same ilk as Ward Prowse or Romeo. So I'd imagine he's a bit more of an attacking player. But he might be one to keep an eye on. But again, for him, it's going to be minutes. Yes. The other two is going to be a bit obvious. But getting a player on loan, there's probably an obligation to play minutes. Is it going to be from the start of the season? Who knows? Be wary of that one because they've got Arebo. Arebo and Armstrong as well, haven't they? That'll get minutes from the attack mid position for them because they'll be like a 4 2 2 2, don't they? Unless they change tact a little bit. No Breuer this year. They haven't signed a striker, so it's just one to keep an eye on. Definitely. Any other players that you think might come into the ownership bracket for 4 million and 4.5 million? Dwight Gale's been announced as a 4.5 million attacker. Get him in. Get him in. Get him in early. Uh, uh, I mean, if we don't sign a centre midfielder, could a player like Sean Longstaff come in? Maybe, but I, I, I'm not keen on that when you know there's such a high rotation risk with a player like that. Um, I think if you want your 4.5, I mean, in recent years, it's been um, Josh Brownhill was the popular one. Things like that. You just want a player who you know is going to play 90, so that if it has to come off the bench or you have to start him for whatever reason, you know you're getting at least two points. I think that's what you could expect from these lowly owned players. And strikers... Greenwood's the highly owned one at four and a half at the moment. Don't expect him to get many minutes unless Bamford gets injured, which he has been injured quite a lot recently, which is why he'll be highly owned. Uh, just players like that you need to keep an eye on, I think. But it's not it's not it's not the be all and end all of your season. But I would just be wary of having a, f- a four a two and four a four keeper, a four defender, two four and a halves on the bench. That, that's a difficult one to have on your bench to uh, so you can get these premium players in but it's just definitely yeah. nothing something that's something I would go for but there might be some good options in there definitely I mean speaking about the bench obviously in previous seasons just gone by um, a lot of us have went for a playing bench just because of the COVID postponements obviously players out with COVID and things like that we don't expect that to um, play as much of an impact on this season so would you still go for it, like everyone to be playing on your bench, or would you be okay with having a player who's actually not going to play at all on your bench, and maybe just going with two out of the outfield players that still get minutes? I think there's enough gems at the bottom price mark of each position, really, so that you can get a player then that plays. Mm. Um, if if for example you get Pereira in and in, in game week two he gets an injury there's not really a need to move him on. It's just like a goalkeeper transfer. You don't want to be moving around yeah. your lowly, lowly owned players. You're not bothered. Um, if he drops to 4.4, there'll be another 4.4 that comes in when you're doing your wild card. It's, it's not a big deal at this stage of the season. So it's definitely not something I'm stressed about as long as they're playing. And I like to have I like to have someone make them like rotation worthy as well. Like I was, It's been pointed out that Knott's Forest actually rotate quite nicely with Newcastle for the first few fixtures. So if you want to go for a trip, yeah, and Nico Williams is absolutely no problem with that. Actually, that's probably the perfect scenario. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, out of the, the 4.5 million forwards, there's not really much there, is it? It's mainly the 4 million defenders and the 4.5 midfielders that look good this season for minutes. The 4.5 forwards aren't great, are they? 
No, I mean, I'll be honest with you, I haven't really even had a look at the 4.5 million forwards Green because it's one. such a, yeah, it's just such a nothing position, really, because well, it's 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 the lowest of the low, really, isn't it? You know what I mean? It, it's even like Emmanuel Dennis came in at five last year. Your Breuer was five or five and a half. So mm. even, even the strikers that you didn't expect to do very well still weren't four and a half. So it's not worth worrying about that. If To be honest, if you can stretch to a five million forward, it's probably worth it. I can't think of any at the moment that are going to be options in at that price point. I mean, you've got... Undav has got to be the one that stands out at 5.5. I can see if he pops off, I can see Greenwood dropping out of the template and Undav being one that takes over. He had a monstrous season in Belgium. Belgium, sorry. He did. He did indeed. But, like, I mean, the 5.5 million forwards, the only ones that are really of option. You've got the Crystal Palace forwards. You don't know who's playing. Undav and potentially Kefa Moa from... Bournemouth, does he play over Solanke? Maybe Bournemouth knowledge isn't as good as it should be. So, yeah, just be careful if you're in there because even all the way up to six, you still don't know if the players are going to get minutes. So, people do just go for that four and a half. Any players that you think might join the template after a few weeks? Well, it's it's interesting, isn't it? You've got to think those lowly owned. If, for example, Marcus Rashad or Jaden Sancho, if they are starting, they have a good start of the season, they could well join the template. Um, Neto. Other than that... Neto's an interesting one because he's quite templatey as he is at five yeah. and a half. That's based on price only, so should he should he start putting some form in as well? He'll he'll skyrocket. So there's some interesting options in there, definitely. There could be like an eight million midfielder that joins it, especially if Diaz doesn't start off very well. There's a lot of players at that price point: Madison, Mount, Foden, uh, Saka as well. Anyone could move to them from Diaz, and they could suddenly become part of the template, couldn't they? Definitely, and I think it's interesting to think about the other way, Stephen, is players like Nunes or Jota, if they absolutely pop off and everyone's got Haaland or Kane and Gabriel Jesus, well, you're not going to get him up from Jesus and you're making your sacrifice of your premium striker to come down. So he could be an interesting one where he's not going to be highly owned. If he starts popping off, you're going to find it difficult to get to him. So he might struggle to join the template, or those two players might struggle to join the template. I agree. Despite having a good form. Yeah, I, I do think Jota, Nunes, they're going to be hard players to get to. Vardy as well. They've got all right fixtures, Leicester, to begin the season with. But Vardy will be difficult to move to without dropping a premium. Yep, yeah, exactly. You'd have to, you'd have to drop a premium, and and that's the problem, isn't it? You'd have to drop the you'd have to drop a premium to get to them unless you've got 1 million, 1.5 spare, or you're making two transfers to come from a Salah to a Son and then from a Jesus to a Nunes or something like that. I mean, that's not even a bad option, but then you're planning transfers already. and It's, it's a dangerous, dangerous place if you start planning your transfers already. Definitely. So we've been rambling on for 34 minutes now. That's the template. We're going to potentially look at fixtures next week. Yeah, fixture sounds good. We'll be talking about how many fixtures we'll look ahead for, who's got the good ones, who's got the bad ones, and who rotates quite nicely, Stephen. I think that might be might be interesting for the listeners who are currently still tinkering with drafts. Yeah, get it in early, so then have got three weeks to decide what we want to do. Definitely. But one thing I would say, Stephen, and all the listeners, the template might be how it is now, but if Haaland gets an injury, the template will change tenfold because you'll be oh, seeing yes. them dropping down to a Nunes or they'll be trying to get a De Bruyne in instead so then Salah turns to Jota it's going to be mad so just keep an eye on running the news pre-season games and then just just good luck everyone just enjoy the chaos yeah enjoy the chaos pre-season games are well underway now so there's going to be 
plenty of content for people to watch. I'm sure most teams, YouTube or Twitter channels post extended highlights. I mean, we even had the highlights against Newcastle against Gator, which was an interesting one. So, yeah, just keep an eye on things and um, hopefully you make the right decisions at the start of the game week. But don't worry, we've still got a few more weeks of trying to guide you through it. Yeah, I'll catch you next week, Dan, and cheers for listening, everyone. You will do. And everybody, remember to follow at Joys FPL and let us know who you are if you have listened to this episode. Ciao for now. Bye-bye.